Ask for a favor. Uh huh. Can I hear you say, come on? Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. Come on. Kawaii. No. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Listen, I love Drew Brown from Pittsburgh. Come on. But his friends are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not ramping down. We're just getting started. Nothing stops this train. Thank you. God bless. And come on. The 2020 Pittsburgh Steelers are officially the second team in the storied history of the franchise to start a season 5-0 as the current squad joins the 1978 team in accomplishing that feat thanks to Sunday's 38-7 statement win over the Cleveland Browns, who have still not won at Heinz Field since 2003. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of the Come On Network podcast, which serves as week six's Steelers reaction. Kyle Dawson, joined by Donnie Chedrick, Jack Hillgrove, and Joe Smeltz are here to put a bow on the big win. Sends the Steelers to Tennessee next week unbeaten. As always, thanks for the subscribes, the streams, the downloads, the ratings, and reviews. You can find us on any device that gets internet or wherever you get to consume your podcast, be that Apple, Spotify, Anchor, or another. Also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. That's at Come On, C-O-M-O-N, Network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K. On Twitter and Instagram, you can also find us on the web, comeon.network. There you can find blog stories, features, columns, hot takes, the podcast episodes. You can learn more about our team and more, including merch that is on the website live now. Shop the Come On Network store at comeon.network backslash store with t-shirts, classic and new designs, hats, stickers, and a spooky collection of t-shirts as well. All available at your fingertips, comeon.network backslash store. It was an impressive win for the Pittsburgh Steelers, to put it lightly, and I'm sure a lot of the comments here in this general thoughts section of our reaction podcast will reflect that, but a 38-7 to victory for the Steelers at Heinz Field over a Cleveland Browns team. I don't know that any of us expected what we got on Sunday at Heinz Field, uh, but it was certainly good for, for once as a Steelers fan to just be able to sit there, watch the game, maybe be a little bit nervous or on the edge of the seat for maybe the first quarter and then kind of just relax and go go the rest of the way but uh, we'll open the floor for our general thoughts section of the Steelers reaction podcast guys well Kyle uh, none of us saw this coming I know you said probably none of us saw this coming but we we all tweeted our scores before the game and it was a one possession game pretty much around the room we thought if anything the Steelers will win by three to six points maybe seven uh, nobody saw this. I don't know if anybody around the league saw this coming. Uh, this was one of the best performances that I remember seeing from a Steelers team as a whole in a very long time. Uh, an absolute shellacking uh, of the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, Ben wasn't a superhero on Sunday. He, he threw for 162 and a touchdown. That's very mediocre by Ben Roethlisberger standards. But the team around him was just so good on Sunday. They, they didn't need him James Conner had 100 yards uh receiving wise Chase Claypool had over 70 James Washington had another touchdown with 68 yards the defense was flying around that that has to be the most impressive part of it the defense allowed Cleveland to do nothing uh, we thought Kareem Hunt might be an issue 
40 yards on the ground. I think he had two catches for 17 yards. Baker Mayfield stood no chance. Uh, he got his ass kicked up and down the field. He got taken out late in the third, and that's when Case Keenum came in. Uh, Baker Mayfield's QBR on Sunday was 5.4. Uh, not good for a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, but, yeah, th this was one of the most impressive Steeler wins, uh, at least in recent memory for me. I mean, a 31-point win over a division rival that people thought might come into Heinz Field and get a victory or would take the Steelers right down to the wire. Yeah, and uh, Don, you talked a lot about the Steelers, and I echo everything you said. But I want to talk about the Browns a little bit, and particularly the man playing starting quarterback. Baker Mayfield, I think, is a candidate for a guy who is the most overrated in the NFL. I don't mean overrated and that people see him in the same light that they do Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, or Aaron Rodgers, but I mean – this guy shouldn't be talked about nearly as much as he is. The Browns are a team that is old school, runs the football, and runs it very effectively, more effectively when Nick Chubb is healthy. But Baker's role on this Browns team with Kevin Stefanski as the head coach, at least since he's took over, is to be a guy who is supposed to not lose a game as – opposed to a guy who can carry an offense and win a game. Um, I wouldn't call him a game manager, but he's more of a game manager, I think, than he is a game breaker. And I think when Chubb got hurt, it was apparent, at least against the team at the Steelers caliber, that for the Browns to win, Baker would have to beat a man offensively, and he's not capable of doing that. We see this guy all over – our televisions on Sundays. He's in a bunch of commercials, a bunch of bad ones. If the Browns do finally turn a quarter, which I think there's a chance of happening, Baker's going to be the guy that's going to get the most credit. He's talked about a shit ton. And honestly, he's the type of guy that I like to see fuck up. And he fucked up big time today. And it was wonderful. I think he, is, he has a personality of – an asshole, frankly, and it's good to see people like that go down. Baker's overrated, and he got exposed today. Not the first time it's happened, won't be the last time. Yeah, for as long as the Pittsburgh Steelers have Ben Roethlisberger playing quarterback and playing quarterback at a high level, the Cleveland Browns will always be little brother, and it can't make me happier. For the longest time, especially growing up when the Steelers were very good in the early 2000s, the teams to me, or the team that I hated the most, other than New England, was Baltimore in the division because they gave the Steelers the most uh, competition. And then uh, Andy Dalton went on a run with the Bengals and had them somewhat competitive for a while. And you add the Bengals to that list, and especially with everything that happened in that infamous uh, playoff game a couple of years back with Montez Burfecht. But for – a while, I, I always thought as the Browns as just a team that stunk. Uh, and in play, spots, I felt bad for the Cleveland Browns. But for whatever reason, and I think it had a lot to do with the Odell Beckham trade. And, Joe, you, you were touching on Baker Mayfield, you know, the kind of guy he is. I don't like him one bit. But for whatever reason, Cleveland Browns fans all of a sudden act like their football team is good. And it's not. Uh, Sir Yacht on Twitter tweeted out uh, a couple of days ago uh, his hate video leading up 
um, to this week and how he hates the Pittsburgh Steelers and talked about how he thought the Browns were going to stomp on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I hope that guy, and I haven't checked his mentions, but I hope that guy is getting what he deserves in his mentions because he's exactly what's wrong with Cleveland football fans. They act like they're a good football team, and for whatever reason, they carry themselves that they're a playoff contender, and I'm sorry, they aren't. They might be 4-2. I know they're four and two. I was just about to say they might be four and two, but for whatever reason, and they ran into a really good defense today. Baker Mayfield looked like a bottom half quarterback. That offense, that running game that's supposed to be very, very good in Cleveland, only averaged three and a half yards a carry. And again, their quarterback stunk. He might have been a little bit banged up. I get that, but he's not a kind of guy that I think can win a big game for them. And I wouldn't be surprised. What, your six games in their last 10 games if they go below 500, maybe even severely? I, w- I still wouldn't be surprised if they don't get the seven, eight wins. My biggest takeaway as long as number seven's a quarterback, Cleveland will always be inferior to the Pittsburgh Steelers. A uh, couple of things to unpack from all of you guys. First off, off Joe. Uh, Baker Mayfield, and I think Jack mentioned this too, Baker Mayfield didn't just play like a bottom half quarterback. He is a bottom half quarterback, he is a bottom 10 quarterback in the NFL this guy is atrocious Um, and and I see no reason why anybody should be heralding him as a starting quarterback in the NFL especially for a team that can run the ball like the Cleveland Browns can especially when healthy Uh, this is not a bad Browns team per se I think they had a really bad game today Um, and I think a lot of that was because they couldn't get anything going offensively this was we talked about during the preview episode both in our segment and with Joe Rudder from the Tribune Review in Trib Sports, uh, we talked a lot about the ability that the Steelers needed to have to stop the run, and they did that. Kareem Hunt was under 60 and a half yards, I think was his betting line. He ended up at 40 yards today. That's just atrocious for a running game that has been the story for the Cleveland Browns this year. Uh, and amongst the tops in the NFL, probably still even with this performance today. But Baker Mayfield is the worst quarterback in this division, and it is not even close. Joe Burrow, Ben Roethlisberger, and and this is Joe Burrow in limited action, too. This is like four or five games of Joe Burrow sample size. Ben Roethlisberger and obviously Lamar Jackson are are leaps and bounds ahead of where Baker Mayfield is. His decision-making is atrocious. He rushes the football when he gets pressured into the Steelers' credit. And this is another general thought of mine and going off a little bit of what Donnie said on a defensive side of things for Pittsburgh. I saw a tweet earlier that was something like 50% of their rushes, they got pressure on the quarterback in or got to the quarterback in. And that is something that is ridiculously impressive for the Steelers defense. The offensive line for the Cleveland Browns a little bit banged up. That wasn't good enough for Cleveland today to try and even compete with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you get a play and a splash play early in the game that I I think flipped momentum that may be talked about a little bit later in the Minka Fitzpatrick interception return for a touchdown, which was another big key we talked about going into this game. But uh, another huge key in this game, and and generally speaking, James Conner was awesome in this game. And we'll talk about it throughout the, the podcast episode here. And so I'll leave this part short. But he wasn't supposed to be able to get going against this run defense for Cleveland today, and he ended up with 100 yards or more for the third time this season. So with that said, we'll move on to our next segment of these pre- or these reaction episodes. Rather, that's our biggest takeaway from this game, Donnie. Well, I think it's pretty clear at this point that the Steelers are legit. Uh, everyone was waiting for them to play a team 
that actually looked good so far in 2020 because before Sunday they played three or they played four teams that were combined uh, for three victories on the year. The Browns were four and one coming in. People said this would be the biggest Steelers Browns game probably since 2007 when the, when the Browns uh, won nine or ten games. The Browns never stood a chance on Sunday. Uh, the, the national media didn't have big expectations for this Steelers team coming in. Uh, Colin Coward, who's one of my favorite guys, had the Steelers at nine and seven. Uh, they'd have to do two and they'd have to go two and nine the rest of the way uh, to hit that mark. So I think they'll go a little bit better than that. Uh, this was just an outstanding game from all ends. The, the, the one bad thing, and it was a very bad thing, uh, they lost Devin Bush for the season. Uh, however, in all of that, the guy that stepped in and replaced him, nobody probably knew his name coming in unless you're a diehard Steeler fan, but Robert Spillane played himself a hell of a game after Devin Bush went down. So even in something as bad as that happening, uh, he showed promise uh, as a replacement. My takeaway is that Minka Fitzpatrick is still a bad motherfucker. Uh, we talked about it in the preview episode. Um, Mika, we haven't really seen him the first four weeks. Should we be concerned? Is it just that teams are starting to stay away from him? Or is it that he's lost a step from 2019? Uh, it took one play to make myself and I'm sure all of us, uh, if we were having doubts, to kind of reaffirm that this guy is the best safety the Steelers have had since Troy Polamalu, he's one of the best safeties in the NFL, one of the better defensive players in the NFL, and he is still an absolute game-breaker and a guy that can set the tone for an afternoon in just one play. That's what he did today on that pick six. And next to T.J. Watt, he's the best player on this defense, and he's not going anywhere. Yeah, Joe, I absolutely agree with you. I mean, there were times where I, I questioned Minka Fitzpatrick's play in 2020, and I think it was he was silent because I think a lot of the other quarterbacks, um, you know, had a backup situation in Jeff Driscoll when the Broncos faced the Steelers, so the quarterback, the backup, you know, might have minimized the playbook for him. But uh, I think all the other quarterbacks the Steelers have faced were wise enough not to test him. And it took the one imbecile, the one idiot in, that starts a quarterback in the NFL, Baker Mayfield, to test number 39. And he said, all right, man, we'll, we'll see how this goes for you. And it didn't go well. So I agree with you there. But my biggest takeaway is this offense. Uh, ben Roethlisberger said it after the game. He felt like he was running a Bill Cowher-style offense. Uh, it, it, it's a lot different. And it's built in a way that the Pittsburgh Steelers can still have a very, very good offense, not as explosive and dynamic as it was when Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown were playing. Uh, but those two, when they were here, combined only to win three playoff games as members of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, and as of before Le'Veon Bell was picked up by the Chiefs, as of probably four or five days ago as we're recording this, they were both unemployed, and then the Steelers were still undefeated. So this offense, a lot of the double motion, jet sweeps to Claypool. You'll see it when Deontay Johnson comes back with him, hopefully soon. Um, and the biggest key to me, if this offense can continue to gel, because um, you know the defense will still be there, hopefully game in and game out, is the unselfishness. Um, that was a big issue with Antonio Brown, and it caused a lot of locker room discrepancies. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster was one of the biggest guys and say what you want about him, but he was one of the most excited guys last week when Chase Claypool had his coming out party. Another touchdown today for him. 
four receptions, four targets, 74 yards. He was the leading receiver. He adds a hell of a lot to this offense. I, if I had one gripe, I would like to see Eric Ebron get involved a little bit more and play a little bit better. But other than that, this offense uh, is legit as well. And is, you know, a lot of people had high expectations for the defense, maybe not so much the offense, but the offense is here to play as well. And it makes this Pittsburgh Steelers football team scary. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaway is is kind of step in step with that on the offensive side of the ball. This this offense doesn't have to be incredible to win games if the defense is and it doesn't have to play as dominant as it did today. But if this defense is even just all right or average, maybe slightly above average in the NFL, this team's going to win a lot of football games because this offense is and can be so explosive. James Conner was awesome. Mentioned that earlier 20 times. He toted the ball for 101 yards, a touchdown in there. Benny Snell had a touchdown on the ground late at six of his touches, nearing three yards a carry and Conner at 5.1. Chase Claypool had the rushing touchdown late in the game. And, and that's something that is a big piece of the Steelers offense now too. And getting his size and athleticism out there to make plays. But Ben Roethlisberger wasn't the Ben Roethlisberger that we know today, and I don't think he had to be. He wasn't incredibly efficient. He has had much better days even this year just with completion percentage-wise. He goes 14 of 22 for 162 and a touchdown. Again, no interceptions. If he can protect the football and this receiving core can continue to do what they're doing, I mean, we've got another game here and another leading target guy in terms of the receivers room. James Washington leads the team with seven targets today. And maybe that's a lot because of it's the short intermediate routes that he's running. Maybe that Deontay Johnson will be running when he returns to the lineup, but a really impressive day for James Washington as well. And to your point, Jack, and quickly on, on Juju Smith-Schuster and his unselfishness, this is a guy that's just as hyped to be 5-0 and as anybody on this team. And it's a guy that is playing for a contract this year, had two receptions for six yards, and he's not in the locker room throwing a hissy fit because he didn't get enough targets. Or he's not in on the sideline like Odell Beckham Jr. was today, taking his damn cleats off, untucking his jersey, throwing his helmet at the bench and jawing at fans in the crowd. To his credit, I think he's been a huge team guy this year. And in a receiver's room that has a lot of unselfish players in there and a lot of talent in there, that's a really good sign for the Pittsburgh Steelers moving forward. Uh, moving forward for us, we'll talk about our biggest play of the game now or your turning point of the game. And I think, unlike last week, this is a lot more complicated uh, maybe than last week, wasn't it? Especially with the player of the game when we get to that too. But our turning point or our play of the game, I think it has several different options today. Well, I won't cherry pick the one that happened early. Uh, the Minka pick six will get, talk, will get talked about, so I'll be a little bit different. Uh, midway through the third quarter, Cleveland had a fourth and in inches, uh, and the Steelers stuffed their ass for a two-yard loss. That was pretty much the point in the game when I knew the Steelers were in control and they would win this game. Uh, there were about six minutes to go in the third. I thought if Cleveland can go down and score a touchdown, uh, this game is long from over. It's only a 10-point game. The Steelers totally reversed that. Cleveland was on their own 30. They can't get an inch, uh, and the Steelers take over and put more points on the board. Uh, so I'll keep it short and sweet, but that was that was the point in the game where I knew Pittsburgh would be 5-0. and Yeah, it's not very complicated for me. I think Fitzpatrick's pick six was absolutely uh, what uh, – what set the tone for this afternoon because going to the Steelers um, first possession, you get deep into Cleveland territory, can't score a touchdown, have to sell for a field goal. And then 
Baker, who I'm sure was feeling very fucking dangerous today, uh, has a chance to make something happen, and he falls flat on his face. Mika, I mentioned him earlier. He's still a BMF, bad motherfucker. I'll say it again. Uh, he picks him off, runs in to the end zone, makes it a two-score game, 10 nothing. And even though it was still early in the first quarter, um, I think the thoughts in the back of all of our heads, although we might not have won, won to say it for fear of jinxing it, was that, okay, this is <laughs> – this is going to be what we're used to seeing in the Steelers-Browns game. And it ended up uh, getting out of hand, which none of us expected coming in. But that was the play that turned the mindset of the game of this is going to be a dogfight to this is going to be an absolute curb stomping. And that's what we got, a curb stomping, Seth Rollins. Yeah, the Steelers burn it down today. Um I don't have a play of the game. I have a series of the game, and it was the series, the defensive series right after uh, Joe's play of the game, the Minka pick six. So to me, I thought, okay, this Browns team four and one, let's see how Baker Mayfield responds to a mistake that now puts them down two possessions. That drive, three plays, one yard, a punt, and the exclamation point on it, and I guess I could highlight this as my play of the game, was the Bud Dupree sack on third and six. That's when I knew that the Steelers were the better football team for absolute sure, and that I knew that the Pittsburgh Steelers would probably end up winning this game. I didn't think it would be my score prediction. I had them covering, but only winning by five points. If you saw that on our Twitter page, I didn't think it would get to this. I'm glad it did, but that's the point where I knew that the Steelers are going to win this game after that three and out after the pick six, because following that, the Browns punted two more times, gained 21 yards and 12 yards respectively, and then Baker threw another pick as well. So, again, the defense, an incredible job today. Yeah, Hulu has live sports, but it was a live embarrassment today for the shit-colored football team that plays in Cleveland. Yeah, my, my player turning point really isn't a play in particular. I think it's a sequence for me, and I thought it was a sequence in the second quarter, kind of middle stages to late stages of the second quarter, where James Conner had the three-yard touchdown run that put them up 17 nothing with Chris Boswell's point after. The very next drive, Baker Mayfield throws his second interception. Cam Sutton makes the, the leaping grab on that. The Steelers take back over, and they dog walk the Cleveland defense down the field, and, and James Washington made an awesome double move on his touchdown. I think it was 28-yard touchdown from Ben Roethlisberger, his only touchdown pass of the day. But again, it wasn't needed. But that sequence of Connor three-yard touchdown run, Cam Sutton intercepting Baker Mayfield and Ben to Washington for a touchdown that ends up putting the Steelers up 24-0. That's when I kind of just stood up and said, you know what, this is over. We don't even have to worry about watching the rest of the game. Uh, and that, for me, is, is the big sequence of the game. I think that going forward, a big turning point or a big play in this game is going to be that Devin Bush injury. But I know Donnie mentioned earlier that uh, Robert Spillane filled in pretty nicely. He had six tackles on the day. But I think that the Devin Bush injury hurts the Steelers a lot more in the pass game. And we'll talk about this when we get to our Steelers preview for the Tennessee Titans game on Friday. That'll be released on our, our, our podcast platforms. But uh, that hurts them a lot more in the pass game than it does in, against the run. And I still think you can go to a little bit of dime coverage and, and have that extra guy in there, whether that's Mike Hilton or whoever it is, maybe to plug the hole that maybe Robert Spillane can't fill in the pass game. But uh, we'll see 
uh, what that situation is as we go and progress throughout the week here. Let's turn over to our player of the game. I think when Joe and Donnie and I were talking about this, we were watching the game live uh, at Donnie's place today. Uh, this was not an easy decision, I don't think, for player of the game. I think there's a ton of candidates, and I think very much so unlike last week with Chase Claypool. This one was up for grabs really for a lot of the game, and I think it would have been sealed to a pretty easy decision had James Conner score instead of Benny Snell at the end. Uh, but it is what it is there. So let's talk our player of the game. Well, it was such a great team performance. It's really hard to focus on just one guy. I know I picked Minka Fitzpatrick um, in our written commentary after the game, but I'm going to flip uh, and go to the guy that I, I kind of wanted to pick from the outset. Uh, and that was Robert Spillane, the guy that filled in for Devin Bush after he went down with what would end up being a torn ACL. Uh, Spillane ended up being second on the team in tackles when it came down to it at the end of the day. And I know as a middle linebacker, that's kind of expected. But I think he gave us a lot more promise than what we expected. Seeing Devin Bush go down certainly wasn't a sight that we wanted to see. But we know we have a guy in there who looks pretty damn hungry to play some football. Uh, he showed it on Sunday. Hopefully he keeps that up. Uh, so I'll go with uh, Bob Spillane as my player of the game. Yeah, this is still somewhat of an easy call for me, too. It's not a total slam dunk the way Claypool was last week. But um, I'm going to give my uh, player of the game the mythical game ball, if you will, to James Conner, I think. Um, going in, um, we – going back to our preview episode, I think we – none of us really expected the Steelers to get a whole lot done on the ground today. Going back to last week, Conner only had – 45 yards or so against the Eagles. Not sure that's the exact number, but he didn't get much done against that Eagles front. The Browns have a very good run defense. And add all that to the fact that David DeCastro wasn't playing, the Steelers' best offensive lineman. And logic would have probably predicted that if the Steelers' offense was going to get a lot done, it would have to have a uh, Roethlisberger have a game the way he did last week. Ben is still capable of having big days in the air. We saw that against the Eagles, but the days of him week in and week out throwing for 300 or so yards are over, and having a solid round game, ground game now, excuse me, with Ben in the winter of his career is essential, and that just made the Steelers are going to win today's game no matter what. I just think uh, they were that dominant all around, but Connor's performance definitely helped, and it was a pleasant surprise, and I think his season has been a pleasant surprise. I'm still pretty worried about um, my theory is that once you're an injury-prone running back, you're going to be an injury-prone running back forever, and uh, the pessimist in me is waiting for um, that day when Connor limps off the field or comes down with any sort of injury and has to miss a few weeks. Uh, but I'm just going to kind of enjoy uh, the season that Connor's had. I think uh, – I don't want to say he's overachieved drastically. We've always known what he can do when he's healthy. But he's definitely done his part in making this offense and making this season as successful as it's been thus far. So, Connor having a big day, another game over 100 yards was huge. And that's why uh, he's getting uh, my fictitious game ball. Yeah, I have two. Number one, Joe, I agree with you, James Conner. 20 carries, 101 yards, a touchdown. And on the five times James Conner touched the football on first down, only one time did they leave it longer than second and five. 
So 100 yards, a touchdown, that's good on paper for a running back. But if you dive a little more into it like that, he was exactly what they needed to. On second and manageable, he made it second and manageable 80% of the time today. Uh, he gets my game ball. Number two, Mason Rudolph coming into the ball game at the end of the game, and I just hope that he looked across the defensive line and looked at Miles Garrett and said, what's up, motherfucker? But he did, and he's a pretty laid-back guy. So, uh, I mean, obviously my James Conner pick is a little more serious, but I'm really glad that Mason Rudolph got into the ball game and was able to uh, kind of put a nice little icing on the cake of the um, blowout today of the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, I have, I have a quick comment uh, before you go on, Kyle. Uh, shout out to Chooks, Accor, Accor and Kevin Dotson for making Miles Garrett a non-factor in today's game. These are two guys that are – one's a rookie and the other is very unheralded and unproven. Uh, somewhat unproven. He did great against T.J. Watt too, so I have to remember that. But uh, this offensive line has faced a lot of adversity – this year, uh, face adversity today with the Castro out and facing one of the best defensive players in all of football, not just at his position, but overall, um, and making him a non-factor for two unproven linemen, that's huge. And another reason why the Steelers are able to do as well as they did on offense, uh, the unsung heroes of the unit, always the guys on the line, and Dotson and Okorafor, they did their jobs. I want to do the same thing as, as Jack did. I had James Conner and I out for the reasons that Joe and Jack have already outlined as my player of the game in our post-game commentary. But I want to take and steal a term from Joe here in the fictitious game ball, and I want to cut it up into 15 or 16 pieces and hand a piece to each of the defensive players on the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And, and, I, and I'll tell you why. It's because we, we bitched and moaned about the third down defense for a while on the preview episode last week going into this game. And they came out and did the damn job on third down. The Browns quarterbacks, be that Case Keenum or Baker Mayfield, and this is mostly Mayfield, were one of nine passing on third down for five yards, were sacked once, and Baker's two interceptions both came on third down plays, including the Minka play and the Cam Sutton interception. So split that fictitious game ball into 15 or 16 pieces and give it a piece to each one of those defensive guys for their work on third down and getting off the field. And then the couple fourth down stops as well by the Pittsburgh Steelers defense, but that will wrap it up for episode 25 of the come on network podcast. And this week's Steelers reaction episode, a reminder that you can find us on any device that gets internet or wherever you get and consume your podcast, be that Apple Spotify anchor or another. Also, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Come On Network. That's at Come On, C-O-M-O-N Network, N-E-T-W-O-R-K. On Twitter and Instagram, you can also find us on the web, comeon.network. There you can find blog stories like our Steelers post-game commentary, which is up now on the website. Features, columns, hot takes, the podcast episodes. You can learn more about our team and shop our merch collection that is online at comeon.network backslash store. We'll talk to you Friday morning or whenever you listen to Steelers preview for the Steelers and Titans, two 5-0 football teams. Go at it in week seven of the 2020 NFL football season. But until next time, stay safe, go Steelers, and come on.